To speak the name of Jesus is to praise God as we acknowledge that he alone is the provision that God has made for us to have a relationship with him, to be forgiven of our sins, to have the gift and promise of eternal life. We called ourselves in that song the children of God, and we don't do so presumptuously. We do so because of the truth of the word of God. The Apostle John said that even though most of the people of Jesus' day, even his own people, didn't receive him, he said, yet to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that's us. That's who we are through Jesus Christ. Not because we're good people, not because we come to church, not because we sing songs and pray prayers, but because Jesus Christ came and died and rose again and offers to all of us life in his name. And he says that all of us who do are his children, even in the passage that we're going to look at this morning from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and you can turn there now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he reminds us that we are also joint heirs with him. The Lord Jesus himself, joint heirs with him into all of the blessings of eternal life in the glory of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Having, uh, having in, this, in this first chapter reminded the Thessalonians of the, of the joy that they brought to him, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, the great Apostle Paul. And even though he couldn't stay in their town very long when he planted their church because of persecution, he reminded them of how much he um, enjoyed their, their fellowship and how, how much he appreciates the fact that they're continuing as a church to grow even in his absence. And then he reminded them that even though they're suffering persecution and they were going through some really tough times, he reminded them that God was going to bring them through and he also reminded them of the judgment that was going to come on all of God's enemies, including those who were persecuting them. And a severe judgment. And in light of that judgment and the, and the way that God was going to, to save them from it because of his grace, he says this, with this in mind, verse 11, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I was encouraged this morning, graduates. Thanks for coming today and, and standing up here and, let, and letting us um, look at you um, and letting us recognize you. Uh, it, it, for those of us who are older, it took all of us back a little bit. It took some of us back and said, I wish I had done that. And others of us that did that were saying, we're glad we did that too. And, and we hope that you and pray that you, as Mark prayed for you this morning, we hope that you will take seriously um, the things that you've learned um, from the word of God, from your parents and grandparents and from your teachers and, and friends here at Midway Community Church and, and, and those of us on the staff. Um, we, we are really excited for you and what you're looking forward to. Uh, and, and even though uh, you have certain plans, we also hope that you remember that God's the one who's directing your steps. 
that he's the one that's going to be taking you through. And one thing that we know, and this isn't just for you graduates, but one thing that we know about your life is if you've put your trust in Christ, God wants you to use that life for his glory. That's really what it's all about. It's not about the the degrees that you might earn. It's not about the, the money that you might make. It's not even about the family that you might raise. All of those things are great and would be great blessings if you got to accomplish them, if you got to participate in them. But all of us, graduates and non-graduates like all of us, we have this special privilege, as the Apostle Paul, Paul points out so clearly at the end of this first chapter of Second Thessalonians, we have this wonderful opportunity to glorify God with these lives. We started on this subject a couple of weeks ago and then took the week off of 2 Thessalonians for Mother's Day. Um, and, and again, praise God for our mothers. We don't just think of you and thank God for you uh, on one day. We're so thankful for you all the time. But as we took time last week to, to think about mothers, we want to come back to this concept of living our lives for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul was praying for the Thessalonians that they would see that that was the purpose of their lives. And so we have to ask ourselves that question. Do we see bringing glory to God as the purpose of our lives? Do we see that as important? Do we see that as of the highest, the utmost important thing in our lives? That with all the other things that we can point to and all the things that we do and that we participate in, Can you honestly say about yourself that you want your life to count for the glory of God? um, A passage that I want us to look to this morning in that regard is from John chapter 15, if you take a moment and turn there. John chapter 15, in this great um, teaching that Jesus was giving his disciples um, the last night that he was going to be with them before before his crucifixion. Of course, he knew this. They didn't. They didn't know the the significance of the setting of this teaching. But in in his teaching that last night, he reminded them of the importance of their glorifying God. That that's what they're here for. Certainly we're, uh, we're recipients of some of the ways that they did glorify God. For example, here we're going to be reading from John chapter 15 verse 8. And who wrote this? John, the apostle who was sitting in that very room that night. And he wrote this under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit, but he did so to bring glory to God. And God is still being glorified even to this day through the writing that John did. And so look at verse 8 with me for a moment. This is to my Father's glory. In other words, this this is how you glorify God. This is to my Father's glory. Look what he says. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory. You know how to glorify God? Bear much fruit. And then he clarifies a little bit about that fruit in verse 16. Look at verse 16 of the same chapter, the same teaching. You did not choose me, But I chose you, here's Jesus speaking to his disciples, to his apostles. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit 
that will last. Fruit that will last. We're all familiar with fruit that doesn't last. I'll use a prime example. Banana. Enough said. Or that, or that moment that you pick the apple up and turn it. Oh, it was looking so good on that one side. But it doesn't last. It does not last. But there is a fruit that lasts. There is a fruit that lasts forever. And it's not just one thing. But it's things that relate to eternal life. Anything that we can do, anything that we can invest our lives in, the Apostle Paul is praying for these Thessalonians that they'll focus their attention on bringing God glory, recognizing, and this is, again, we talked about this um, at more length last time, that, that God would also glorify us in him. It's amazing. It's one of, the, one of the great blessings of being a child of God. He's going to glorify us, and he does from time to time in this world, but especially in glory. We're going to share in the glory of God. He's going to allow us to participate in it. That's a, that's a wonderful thought. But in this world, we don't get that much of that. But we have lots of opportunities to bring him glory and to bear fruit to, to do that. Fruit that will last. Fruit that matters. Fruit that isn't going to be, ugh, when, you, when he picks it up. That, that, that looked good what they just did, but it didn't, it's not going to last. What, what makes the things that we do for God last? What makes them eternal? And it all boils down to our recognition That growing in Jesus Christ, growing in our knowledge of him, growing in our relationship with him, as he transforms, the word of God tells us in Romans chapter 12, that he's transforming us. While the world's trying trying to push us into a mold, trying to conform us, he's transforming us by the renewing of our minds. He's causing us to think different than the rest of the world thinks. To think different about what's important and what's valuable and what we should spend our time and energy on. And anything that we can do with our time and our energy and our resources, John Blumquist, as he prayed for our offering, asked God to use these offerings to do something eternal through the, through the work of the missionaries that we support, through the ministries that we have here in, in Midway that he would do something eternal with those offerings. Did you know that as you give to the Lord's work, that work that is done for eternal things is storing up for you an account in glory that we don't don't understand exactly what it's going to be like, but there's going to be a day when we stand before God and he's going to give us all that's in our account, all the rewards that he has prepared for us. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be a a great day of glory. It's also going to be a day where some people are going to be saved, according to 1 Corinthians, they're going to be saved as through flames. Because everything that they did in their lives, even as believers, everything they did was temporary. 
It was all stuff that didn't matter for eternity. It, was, it might have all been about, about bank accounts. In our Bible study class this morning, we looked at the parable in Luke chapter 12 of the farmer who was having a great year. Such a great year and a series of great years. And he was doing so great. He said, you know what? I don't have big enough barns to store all this stuff. I'm going to build bigger barns. Then I can sit back and relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy life. You know what God said to that guy in the parable? You fool. This very night, your life is going to be required of you. Then who's going to get all your stuff? Not him. You've heard the expression, you can't take it with you? That parable may be where that came from. He, he, stored, he had all these barns built and had all this stuff built. He didn't get to enjoy a bit of it. His whole life was wrapped up in that stuff that didn't matter. Now, could a farmer give glory to God? Absolutely. What if he would have seen the great harvest that he was having as a way to minister to other people? As a way to serve other people? As a way to to share God's blessing on him with others? And he did that in the name of, of Christ. What if he would have done that? You know what would have happened when his life was required of him? He would stand at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did a great job. I gave you good crops. You used them for my glory. Not only did you take care of your own family, you took care of other people. And you did so all in my name. You see, that's a big part of this. That's a big deal, doing things in his name. Doing the things that we do. Students, graduates, going up, some of you are on your way to college. Go to college in his name. Do college, study, play, have fun, do the things that you do in college. Do this in his name. When you're doing that in his name, then that's going to that's gonna sort of help you understand what it is you should be doing. Farmers here. I'm centering myself a little bit of that now. We've planted a garden. We've seen some, we've, we've got some beans about this tall right now. Almost tall enough to get on their on their uh, poles and their vines or their little strings. Farmers, other types of workers of all sorts. How do you do that for the glory of God? Do it in His name. Do it in His name. Work at your work in His name. Did you see in the quotes around one of the phrases in the song we were singing? Our God. That means we're going to say that, our God. Give God credit. Give God glory in your workplace, in the things that you're doing, in the people that you're around, even those that don't know him. Give him credit. Let them know that you acknowledge that what you're doing is a gift from him and an opportunity from him to serve him even in non-church-related kind of activities. A lot of people think the only way that you can really glorify God is in church. No. It's not just in church. We are the church. We don't come to church. The church gathers. And then we go out as the church in his name, living the lives, using the opportunities and resources for his glory, doing things that bear fruit. 
The example of the, of the rich farmer that had nothing of lasting value. Had he invested himself and, and his things in, in people and, this, and giving them the gospel, giving them the, the way that they can also be forgiven of their sins, that they can also live their lives for his glory, it would have changed everything for him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 16, as he was summarizing some of the teaching, Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Think about that. They're the ones that are going to end up glorifying your Father in heaven. Do you see what's taking place? Do you see what's transpired in that one verse? You did good things in the name of Jesus, and the good things were noticed And some of those people that noticed through your witness, through your story, through what God has done for you, through your knowledge of God's word, those people then also can bring glory to God. That's the thing that takes place. That's how fruit lasts. You want to make your your job, I know you don't want your job to last forever, but you want to make the things that you're doing at your job last forever? Do it in the name of Jesus. Do your work. Do your helping. Show your kindness at that place in the name of Jesus. And then those lives that are transformed, those lives that are different because of you, because of the things that they've learned about God through you, will end up not only with you praising God, but with also some of your coworkers praising God, or some of your neighbors, or some of your teammates, or some of your classmates, or whoever the, case, whoever the people might be. Other people watching you live your life for the glory of God, then they also will bring bring glory to God as well. And when that day comes, when we stand before Him at that judgment seat of Christ, and He does share His glory with us in a in a in an eternal way, He's going to say, "Hey, I appreciate the way you used that job. Not only did it provide enough money to to take care of you and your family." You also used some of, the, some of the resources that you gained from it to invest in others who are sharing the gospel and other people around the world are coming to Christ, but you also used the time and energy that you were putting into that very job itself to glorify me in such a way that other people were noticing that you weren't living just for yourself, but that you were acknowledging me all the way along. And that they were finding out that there's another way to look at this life. Not just, to, not just to make as much money as you can and buy as many toys as you can and enjoy them for as long as you can and then it's over. They found out that there's, there's a different reason for living by watching you. They found out that life can have an eternal purpose and have eternal value by watching you live that life. Peter, who was also in the room in John 15 who's also in the, in, the, in the crowd at the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 5, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said this in verse, in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans. See, a lot of the Christians in the first century lived among the pagans. You know, a pagan is simply a person who doesn't, doesn't acknowledge God or, or doesn't acknowledge the God of, of the word. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He said, live 
such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that was written 2,000 years ago, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds, the way that you live your life, and the person that you live your life for, they'll see that. And they then will also glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the day that the Apostle Paul was talking about in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, the day when he comes back. It's going to be a great day of celebration as well as judgment. And eternal fruit in our lives will be the contributions that we've made in the things that we do, the money that we give, the efforts that we make, that result in people coming to faith in Christ so that they also can give glory to God on the day he visits us. And also the the, the work that we do to encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ, our own brothers and sisters in Christ, to grow in their faith. That also has eternal fruit um, nature to it as well. This life's tough. You notice that? It's hard. I love in 2 Corinthians a number of places where the Apostle Paul uses this phrase, therefore we do not lose heart. You ever, you, you ever tempted to lose heart? Life, life is just having so many twists and turns in it that aren't going your way that you're just ready to give up. The Apostle Paul knew that. God knew that when he gave us the word of God. And he says, we don't lose heart. And God has put us in a body like this to encourage each other not to lose heart. Every time you encourage me not to lose heart, and many of you do that regularly, every time you encourage me to lose, not to lose heart, you help give me the strength that the body of Christ gives one another. You help give me the strength to continue on doing what I'm doing to encourage others. Every time I do that for you, then you have the strength, the, the, the reminder of the, of, the, of the promises that God has made to continue on. And the result of that is eternal glory for God, eternal fruit. Encouraging each other is part of this way that we bear fruit for eternity, fruit that will last. And in doing so, we bring him glory now. We multiply that glory through the others that come to Christ through us and our ministry. And we do that forever. This, this idea of living for the glory of God, this is not a temporary thing. This is something that we're going to be doing forever. And so get a good start right now. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life on stuff that's not going to matter. But with the blessings that God gives you, with the opportunities that God gives you, with the gifts and resources that he lays out into your life, you work hard for them, but he's the one that works out. Because remember, the Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, 1.12, this is all according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us these opportunities. These are gifts from him. Let's use them for his glory, not for temporary glory, but for the glory that will last 
forever. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for giving us a reason to live. A higher calling than just getting as much stuff as we can and enjoying it for as long as we can. We thank you that you've given us a calling in Christ, in the body of Christ, to bear fruit that will last. And in so doing, to bring you glory and to multiply that glory through others who see us doing it. And through your grace, also want to get involved in the action. We thank you for those that have gone before us, that invested themselves in eternal fruit, of which we're a part. We thank you for the people that prayed for us. We thank you for the pastors that taught the word of God to us. We thank you for the teachers, even Sunday school teachers and youth leaders, youth pastors in our own lives who taught us the gospel and the word of God, who brought us to an understanding to where we realize what you've done for us in Jesus. And we received you. We thank you for all those that did that. All those that invested their money in those people that had an influence in us. Those that invested their time in us and their prayers. Help us to follow suit. Help us to continue that same process of using our lives for your glory. Father, we thank those of us who who came to know Christ during college. We thank you for our fellow college students who witnessed to us. And Father, we pray that you'd remind our, our graduates that are, that are on their way to college that there are people on that campus that they're going to get to know that may find out about Jesus from them. We pray that you'd give them that in their minds, that you'd, that you'd put that in their hearts. But Father, help us not to just pray for our college students to do that. Father, help us to realize that that's what our, what our jobs are about as well. That's what our kids' teams are about as well. That's what our associations and recreation are about as well. That we would also shine. That we would, reckon, that we would look at the opportunities that we have as ways to bring you glory. As ways to share others with others what you've done in our lives. Saying, our God recognizing you in the midst of all of our lives, that you're our source, that you're our strength, that you're our savior. They would see what you've done for us and also put their trust in Jesus. Father, there are some here this morning who haven't yet done that. Help them to realize that they can't bring you glory yet. That bringing you glory starts with agreeing with your plan, which is agreeing that Jesus is the only way and that he is a sufficient way, the all-sufficient way, that everything that he did is sufficient for us, that when we receive him, when we believe in him, all of our sins are forgiven and all of our lives are changed so that we can begin to live for your glory. I pray for those who haven't trusted Jesus yet, that they would see the importance of that, that they would see the urgency of that, that they wouldn't want to waste another day 
of this life that you've given them without living it for the glory, the the lasting glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.